This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. What is up, all of you beautiful freaking people? Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. This week, we are diving in to all of the uncomfortable shit that nobody usually likes to talk about, and that is cheating, divorce, how the fuck to get over it and get through it. Um, I can tell you just from writing Eat, Pray, FML and all the DMs that I get on a weekly basis, how many women go through this are confused by it, don't know how to like function in their life after the fact. So we're going to get into all of the nitty gritty. I'm going to be talking about being able to trust again after you've been cheated on, how to not compare yourself to the other person, how to not blame yourself, and even because there is a positive side of being cheated on. So strap the fuck in. We're about to get real uncomfortable and talk about all the things you wish you would have known while you were dealing with a fucking cheater. Oh my God. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. Have you gotten a chapter six yet? He did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh no, she didn't. And here we are. Whenever I get messages online from people that have read the book. It's always about how did you deal with being cheated on? How did you cope with that? What effects did the divorce have? So I knew that I wanted to create an episode around that because it's shocking how many women and men go through being cheated on and don't really know how to process and handle it. And it's really comforting in a weird way when you realize how many fellow people go through this bullshit. I also want to touch on how cheating affects you and how you can really hold on to yourself and not lose yourself when you're dealing with all of these super heavy emotions. So as most of you probably know, I was cheated on in my marriage. My husband and I had been together for five years, married for almost two We had been having problems for about six months and we were in therapy. I was working my ass off. I didn't realize why nothing was really working. I had no idea that he had been in a full-on other relationship for six months. And as I've learned now that the book has been gaining traction and getting more eyes on it, um, I've had a lot of people reach out to me to where I've realized that she was not the only person. And I've never talked about that publicly, but it's a really different feeling to go from he was with one person and he had this full-on relationship with her to thinking, oh, he was with many other people. And then it makes you kind of cycle back through all of those emotions again, like, oh, so he wasn't just disrespecting my body with one person. He was disrespecting my body with multiple people. And were those people in my house, in my bed, and when was he with them in correlation to when he was with me. It's a lot of mixed emotions to try and sort through. And a lot of you know that I'm very disconnected emotionally from my husband in that situation now, and I feel very lucky that I got out. 
and that it was a blessing in disguise. But still, to hear that you were being betrayed on multiple fronts is really it's going to take a toll on on your self-worth, on how you feel about yourself in future relationships. I get a lot of questions about how did you ever feel like you were going to be able to trust again. So I want to start going one by one and diving into all the different emotions that comes when you get cheated on and kind of dissecting how you can work yourself through those. So the question I get asked a lot is, how were you ever able to trust again? And didn't you put walls up around your heart? Like, how were you ever even able to be in a relationship after the shit show of 2017 you had? And my answer is always this. If there was ever a time for me to put walls up around my heart, it would have been after my divorce. It would have been when I found out my husband was sleeping with someone else and totally disrespected my body and that would have been the time to kind of be like, okay, I'm putting walls up. I'm not going to trust people. I'm not going to be open anymore. If I would have done that, I never would have met Javier. I never would have fallen in love. I never would have gotten my heart broken. And that would not have sent me on my Europe trip to write this book to be sitting here talking to you guys. So I'm a big believer in not putting walls up around your heart. And yes, you may get hurt. Yes, you may get fucked over once or twice. Yes, you may be heartbroken, but that's always going to lead you somewhere. And it's so important to stay open and keep your heart open because if you don't, you're blocking off things that could really change your life and that could really bring you so much happiness. So if we let ourselves sit in the shit of like, oh my God, I can never trust another man in my entire life and... I can't ever be safe with someone again and I need to put a wall up for the next three years of my life. Imagine how many things are coming to that wall that would be really amazing for you, that could really change your life and bring so much happiness to you. So I'm a big believer in not putting walls up around your heart when stuff like this happens because you're always going to have things that come into your life that hurt you, but they're always going to make you grow. And that's not a reason to block off the good things that could be on its way. Obviously, I'm sure a handful of you are rolling your eyes and go, okay, well, that's easier said than done, obviously. But if you can consciously make a decision to walk into things with an open mind and an open heart, I'm not saying to just be careless and when there's giant red flags waving in your fucking face, be like, no, it's fine. She said to go on. But... You have to make a conscious effort to not put up walls. And if you can do that and commit to that and really give yourself the opportunity to get your feet wet again after something like this happens to you, you'll start to get better results and see that there are things that will start to change your mindset. So it's really just making a commitment to yourself that you're going to be smart, but you're also going to be open and allow the universe to bring you the good things that you know you deserve. So now the question for the how, how do I do that? And it's different for everyone. It depends on what part of your process you're at. But for example, it can be, okay, I'm going to get back on a dating site and at least be open to the people that message me. Or I'm going to choose to go out with this person and at least be open to the fact that they're not going to fuck me over. And 
when you get into those new relationships, whether it's a friendship, a relationship, any type of relationship that you get into, you have to communicate. You know, they're not going to be able to read your mind. So you have to sit down and be like, look, these are my triggers. These are my wounds. These are the things that I need you to be aware of and take care of. And if that person is in line with your energy, they're going to be able to rise to the occasion and do that. You have to give them the opportunity and then take responsibility for your own triggers. You know, when you, there's so many different people on this planet and everyone has gone through different traumas and different experiences and different highs and different lows. So you have to be able to say, hi, these, this is my baggage. These are my triggers and let them do the same. And when a good relationship happens, that's when two people recognize those things and start to take care of them for each other and protect them for each other. And until you identify what your own triggers are, you're not going to be able to do that. So that brings us back to you need to start looking at yourself and writing down all the things that you need to focus on and you need to heal and start loving yourself. Because when you love yourself and when you know all those things, you're able to enter into a relationship or a friendship knowing where your cards are and what you need from other people. And when you can do that with someone and you see that they can take care of those things that you've presented to them, that's when you can start to build that trust again. When you see someone saying, oh, okay, she said A, B, and C, so I'm going to make sure to protect and take care of A, B, and C. That's going to force your heart to open and be like, okay, I can, I can see that they're doing this and I can see that I can trust this person. So another thing that people bring up to me a lot is how do you not compare yourself to the other girl? So I know you guys have read all about the other girl that Daniel was with, but you haven't seen her. So let me try and paint a little bit of a picture. Um, when I first found her online, she was very young, very blonde, in very minimal clothing. It was all bathing suits and like string bikinis that I could fucking floss my teeth with. And really, like it's if there was ever going to be a time to make my, at the time, 28-year-old self feel insecure, it would have been this woman girl, young lady, whatever you want to call her. And I really never went into that reaction. And I remember my friends being like, oh, it's, do you feel, you know, like you're comparing yourself? That must be so hard, blah, blah, blah. And I never really felt that. And so I needed to look at that because that was so interesting because it's a normal reaction for any woman to have. And this is what I found out. The bottom line is that if someone is going to choose to cheat, it doesn't matter if it's the fucking hottest supermodel in the world or the girl next door or a plain Jane or his not attractive older boss. It doesn't matter who the other person is because the person that's doing the cheating is seeking that validation. So it doesn't matter who it is that he's getting it from or she's getting it from. It's about, oh, make my ego fill up and make me feel like I'm enough. So it doesn't matter who they're cheating on you with. It's the fact that they're so insecure and unhappy with themselves that they need to seek that validation outside of the relationship that they're in. So for me, when I looked at her, it was like she could be super hot and she could be, you know, 
super unattractive. Either way, it wasn't about the other person. It was saying, oh, okay, my husband has some serious insecurities and some serious unhappiness going on. And it honestly just made me feel really sad for him that he felt the need to get that validation from an outside physical relationship as opposed to sitting down in his marriage and discussing it and communicating it and being open in therapy about it. Because, I mean, fuck, dude, it must have been exhausting. That's all I could think is, ah, I would never want to go through a situation like that. Why not just break up with someone and leave or get a divorce and leave? It's not like we had kids together. There was nothing like we didn't have a house together. There was nothing tying us together. But it's the ego of the person and the insecurity of the person that needs to be filled. It's like they have an empty cup inside of them. And if they're not able to get it at home, they're going to get it wherever they can. So it never really occurred to me to compare myself to her because it wasn't my issue. It wasn't my problem. It wasn't my fault that he stepped out. It was the own shit that he had to fucking heal within himself. So that leads me into how the fuck do you not blame yourself for the other person's unhappiness? And that's a tough one because we can get into our heads sometimes and it's not easy to keep that strength that you initially feel when you're like, I did nothing fucking wrong. So for me in my situation, he, well, he would say a lot of shit, but He would go out and I remember when we first broke up and I started telling my really close friends, um, he would send text messages to our mutual friends that he, well, they were my friends that he had met and become friends with, basically saying that, you know, I had a lot to do with this and I never wanted to have sex with him. And it was like this whole thing around sex. And like, you can ask any of my exes, like I have no problem in that department, like it's not it's not an issue as far as me wanting to have sex. And when he would send out these text messages saying like, oh, you know, she never wanted to have sex with me and I knew that I wanted to leave her for a while. I just felt guilty because, you know, she lost her dad when she was young and then she lost her boyfriend and so she's got a lot of abandonment stuff. It was like, okay, so all of these are reasons that you're validating your decision to cheat on me. So... I was faced with him telling me legitimate reasons of this is why you should blame yourself. But when you stand back and you look at the situation, I was in therapy with him. I was working my ass off to get us back to a good place. I was giving him more sex. I was doing all the things he was asking for. And it still wasn't enough. So you have to be able to take responsibility for the things that you did do in your relationship. By no means does that equal blame. So did I sometimes not want to have sex as often as he did? Yes, absolutely. Did I sometimes get angry and was I the shitty person in the argument a few times? Absolutely. Do any of those equal, oh, I should go cheat on my wife? 100% no. And look, a lot of people will go forward and be able to communicate around cheating and work through it. I know people who have done that successfully. Um, it wasn't in the cards for me. I had no no will to go do that. Um, but it can be done and relationships can be successful after the fact. But regardless, there's never a reason to where you should feel that blame. So if you are feeling that, let that shit go. 
another really important question that always comes up when we are talking about cheating is how do you not let what you've gone through filter into your next relationship? It's kind of similar to how are you going to trust again, but it really is more of like when I'm in a new relationship and I've decided to trust and I've decided to take that plunge, how are you not like, I have to check his phone and I have to make sure that he is where he says he is and that I'm not getting cheated on again. The answer to that, guys, it's not going to be the best thing. Um, But my answer to that is you just have to jump. You just have to shut that shit off. Because if you bring it into your next relationship, it's going to be detrimental and it's going to not allow that other person to fucking breathe. Because imagine being on the other recepting end of that and feeling like someone's constantly watching you and questioning you and thinking that they're they're not giving you what you need in order to feel safe in the relationship. So the best way to do that is when you're in a relationship, you've already told them your triggers and your wounds, that should obviously be one of them. So for me in my new relationship, Tay obviously knew all about what I had been through. He had read the book. He knew about Daniel. And so he he knew that cheating was a thing for me. And there were a couple times at the beginning of our relationship where I felt the urge to look at his phone, which was so foreign to me. I had never in five years wanted to look at Daniel's phone. That has never been a thing for me. So this was very new and very uncomfortable. It made me feel very icky whenever that feeling came up. And so I talked to Tay about it. I communicated with him and he looked at me and was like, okay, well, if if you ever need to check my phone, like this is my password, feel free to do so. And I said, no, that's not helping me because I still feel so shitty when I want to do that. Like if I were to just pick up his phone and go through it, I would feel really shitty inside. So he heard that and his solution to that was randomly, he would hand me his phone and be like, hey, you want to go through my phone? And like we'd make kind of a joke about it or he'd sit next to me and like turn his phone while he was texting different people. So if I did want to like look over, I could easily do so. And a lot of people that are listening, I'm sure, are like, okay, but like that's one in a million. But that's what you wait for. You wait for that person that's going to be like, oh, these are your things. Let me help you fix them. And I do the same for him. So taking it back to how do you not let it trickle into your next relationship, it's going to trickle. It's, it's going to flow over. But you have to communicate about it and just be open about it. Because if you're going into your relationship and you're like, hey, this is where I'm coming from. This is my shit. It's going to flow in. So let's figure out a way to mop it up. That's going to be so much better than not saying anything and trying to just pretend you're fine when you're fucking not because you have these new insecurities. Okay, let's now make a turn and talk about the positive things that come from being cheated on. I can tell you, for me personally, there's been many. So not only do you normally see when you're outside of the relationship, once you've gotten some space from it and you can look back on it, you're like, oh, well, none of those things were really okay that he was doing. And all of these things made me feel this type of way. And that really gave me an out to wipe my hands clean and walk away and be like, okay, I don't deserve that. I don't deserve how I was being treated. And 
it's honestly, for me, it was a scapegoat. Like I was able to get out of a marriage that I would have been in a very long time and been really unhappy in in the long run. So for me, it was a fucking blessing. I'm also a big believer that you learn from any relationship that you're in. And cheating is a way where you can very quickly find out who someone is. And it allows you to also find out how strong you are. And in finding that strength, you can then look at yourself and be like, oh, okay, so these are the things that I'm going to demand in my next relationship. These are the things that I didn't know I needed and wanted. And this is like going way higher on my checklist now. Also, when you get cheated on, you're forced to kind of go inward and look at yourself Even the things that we've covered so far in this podcast, if you're forced to go through and look at all of those things and experience all of those emotions, it's going to make you grow exponentially. You're going to come out of that situation a different fucking human if you choose to see it that way and you choose to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, say, I'm not going to be a fucking victim and this is not going to define me. All right, y'all, it's that time of the show for your FML stories, and the two that we have this week are so good. Um, Going through these is such a fucking joy for me. Um, Here we go. Hey, Gabrielle, my name is Karina, and I'm from New York City. I have a story about a fuckboy and how I believe fuckboys are exactly like motherfucking cheaters in their own way. I met this guy Anderson online and quickly became head over heels for him. He was tall, Spanish, dark, handsome, very charming, super sweet, kind of like your Javier from your book. So the problem was that Anderson would only be available when it was convenient for him. Like many fuckboys I had experienced, you'd think I would notice the signs, but no, he was just too goddamn good. Anderson told me we were in a relationship and how much he cared about me and how he wanted to meet my parents one day. He told me to meet him at his place so we can go out to a bar and get some dinner and talk. I called several times and no answer, so I took my guy best friend and went off to a club just to get a text at 3 a.m. from Anderson talking about how dare I go to a club without him. So I felt bad, silly me, and left to meet him. After a night of passionate hate sex is exactly how I felt, he asked me to go to EDC New York with him, so I bought my own goddamn fucking ticket. Yes, I did that, and took a few girlfriends with me just in case. I called him, no answer, but I went anyway because let's get real, it's EDC after a few hours. I get a text explaining what happened and how something quote unquote came up. I said, I'm sorry to hear and went about my merry self with my friends until I look up into VIP and there is my dream guy, Anderson, with another girl around his arms that looks identical to me. I guess you can say he had a type. After that, I sent him a text explaining why men like him make women like me. Since then, I have not taken men seriously for years and I never answered his text messages. Why are they always Spanish and charming? Ugh, the worst. Um, seriously, girl, I could do an entire episode on fuckboys. Anderson, if you're listening to this, get it the fuck together, bro. I mean, dude, invite one girl, stick to the plan, and if you bail, don't attend the scene of the crime that you bail on. Seriously, the stupidity never ceases to amaze me. Okay, you guys, this next story is juicy in its own right, but it's more juicy because of the way that it came about. So whenever people submit their stories, they get emailed to me to review. And I responded to this girl, letting her know that her story was going to be on the show and that it was a great FML story. She proceeds to respond to me 
letting me know that she in fact went to high school with my ex-husband and that they had hooked up before casually. And in 2017, she ended up running into him at Barry's boot camp and he was there with Laurel. <laughs> um, she proceeds to go on to tell me how he saw her. She said hi, and he like panicked and got all weird and started asking her not to mention to anyone that she had seen him there, which she thought was super fucking weird because she just said hi. And she, in her email, was like, and now I realize after I read your book and figured out that I know this person that he was freaking out because he was in fact married to you. <laughs> um, I love the fact that this girl picked up a book, started reading it, realized that she had hooked up with the ex-husband that's being written about, and now I'm sharing one of her badass stories on the fucking podcast. Full circle. Here it is. Hey, Gabrielle. My name is Savannah, and this is my FML story. I was with my ex-husband for five years, one of those married. Everything was amazing and lining up for us. He had just gotten into medical school, and we had a beautiful wedding. But shortly after we were married, he had a court date scheduled for a legal case, and he ended up getting a year in federal prison. I'm going to keep the details of his offense confidential just due to the nature of it and in case anyone he knows is listening to the FML podcast. Before he had to serve his time, he was under government surveillance and could not use social media or any other apps for communication besides email for work. After he started his sentence, I went through his phone and computer and found out that he had been talking to his ex-girlfriend for our entire relationship up until the day he had to turn himself in. They had planned to meet up a few times. She had no idea he was married and didn't even know I existed. The most shocking part to me is that he literally risked more prison time to talk to his ex-girlfriend on Snapchat. Like, what the fuck was he thinking? I ended up finding multiple accounts online where he looked at porn involving animals, which was horrifying, and was posing as a single man looking for attention. He even had the nerve to use a photo I had taken of him at my parents' house from a previous Christmas on one of these accounts. I knew this was just the tip of the iceberg. I had seen enough. When he called from prison for the first time, I told him I knew everything and he instantly defended himself and claimed, quote, he was only comforting his ex for her mental health issues, which was laughable to me. And when I asked him about his other online accounts, he said, what about them? I was absolutely furious. He was in prison. He had dropped out of medical school and is now lying to me after being caught. Like what was bottom for this dude? Well, he kept lying and I ended up serving him divorce papers, which was his rock bottom. I moved away from my small town in California and I'm now living in Colorado with an amazing man and our two dogs. I mean, dude, <laughs> when a booty call is worth more jail time for you, you have a fucking problem. Oh, what a freaking shit show. Um, I'm so glad that you're out of that insanity and I do know that you are from a town that my ex-husband and I lived in, obviously. So maybe that area just has something in the water where it's just breeding dirtbag men. I don't know. <laughs> Cheers to you and Colorado, girl. And now the part of the show that always makes me nervous, where my producer selects two questions for me to answer from you guys, and I don't get to look at them ahead of time. <laughs> Doesn't do well for my anxiety. Okay, so this first question is from Maria.Cortina. 
And the question is, how do you get through stuff like this when you don't have a strong support system and you're lonely? That's really tough. And I'm really thankful that I have a strong support system. However, I'm aware that not everybody is lucky to have something like that in their life. And for this, I will point you back to the self-love cocktail because it is something that you can do for yourself day in and day out. It will not only make you feel better and help you love yourself, but it will give you a task that you can be that support system for yourself. And the second one is from Steph underscore Curry McFlurry. I fucking love that handle. (laughs) Um, And the question is, how did you know that you were ready to open yourself up to love again after Javier? And the honest answer to that is I didn't. I came home from my trip and was like, fuck this. I'm done. I need to really just put up a fat wall and be by myself for a while. Um, And of course, the universe always has other plans. So I didn't know when or if I was ready to start dating. The universe just kind of put the right person in front of me that would kind of make me open myself up naturally to do that. So I don't think there's ever a time limit. The second you stomp your feet and say, I'm going to be single for a year, the universe is like, psych, here's a great dude. Um, so you kind of just have to to be with yourself and make sure you're doing the work on you and on your inside and make sure that you're loving yourself and feeling comfortable and not plan it, you know? It's uh, we're never really ready to fucking do anything, you know? Uh and when we think we're ready, we usually fall flat on our face. So, I would say that you just have to let yourself be and not worry about being ready or not ready. Just worry about how you're feeling on the inside. This question I found really interesting. It was from Shiva Siam. And she asked, do you think you would have been with Daniel still if you never figured out he was cheating? My honest answer to that is 100% no. If I'm being really ruthfully honest with myself, even when we got married deep, deep, deep down, deeper down than I would consciously be aware of and that I would like to admit because I didn't dig it up and realize it till much later. I knew that I was not going to be with that person forever. I I knew that something was wrong and in my deepest of deep guts, I I knew that that was not going to be my forever person. I don't know if it was because I was just so wrapped up into the experience with him of you know, planning the wedding and, you know, being so into it. Um, but no, I, I, I know that I wouldn't be with him. And that's why I say all the time that I'm really grateful to him and thankful to him because he made it so goddamn easy for me to walk away and gave me a way out. And if he wouldn't have done that, I would have been stuck in a miserable marriage for many, many more years trying to make it work because I felt the pressure to not let people down and to, you know, see this commitment I had made through. So no. And I'm so happy that it didn't take that long. In other news, the Eat, Pray, FML book page is back on Instagram. Uh, It has successfully been retrieved, uh, much to Daniel's dismay, I'm sure. So make sure you are following 
at Eat, Pray, FML as well. So you can keep up to date with all the stuff that's coming out about the book. All right, you guys, I am happy to say that we are going to move on to a different chapter next week because I finally caved and um, everyone has been asking constantly about my man, my boyfriend, and he's coming on the podcast, guys. He is going to answer all of your questions that were submitted, um, to which there were a lot of. And um, I'm so excited to to have him here and to let you guys peek into my new, much more stable relationship and world. Remember, you still have time to get your merch for the holiday giveaway. We will be picking three winners on December 20th. As always, make sure you guys are subscribed so you do not miss any upcoming episodes. I will see you all next week. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.